0: Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Fabio Molle, and every week I bring you insights from players, coaches, parents, and experts who are ingrained in the world of high-level tennis. Today, I speak to Matt Terchinski. Matt is a longtime friend and permanent hitting partner of top 20 player Hubi Herkat. It was great speaking with Matt as he gave in-depth insights into the life of a pro hitting partner, as well as some really useful advice for players and parents who are starting out their journey in elite tennis. We chat about what he's learned from UB over the years, from a junior to now a top tennis player. We also chat about what he learned from coach of UB, Craig Byton, who was a former guest on the podcast. Matt's role as a hitting partner has evolved into an assistant coach role with the help of Craig. So we learn more about how he's moved into this position and why he's moved into this position. I think it's because Craig needs a bit more time off, and he's doing a great job of training Matt. Before we get started, a shout out to our podcast partners, ASICS. ASICS, as you know, in my opinion, make the world's best tennis shoes, and whether you need them to cover every inch of the court or spend a full day coaching in them, ASICS have you covered. My personal favorites are the Solution Speeds FF2s, and I'm really excited in January the FF3s are going to be released, and I'm really, really pumped for that. And if you're a coach and you want to stay comfortable all day because you're standing all day, I recommend the Resolution 9s. They're a great shoe, very comfortable. They're not too heavy. They're actually really light. And yeah, they're great shoe. So head over to ASICS.com to see their full range. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me directly. And one more thing, if you didn't see, we launched the black prototype edition of our Sabre, completely all black. We had a matte black and a gloss black. Unfortunately, the matte black sold out in record time. We do have a very few amount of Gloss Blacks version. Head over to functionaltennis.com to check them out. I did not know people would be that interested in all black rackets. It's pretty crazy. And yeah, if you want to check it out, head over to functionaltennis.com. Okay, here's Matt. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you?
1: Hi, Fabio. I'm great. Thanks for uh, having me. You know, it's a big pleasure to be with you. And yeah, I would like to... Tell you anything you want to know. <laughs> uh, great.
0: Well, uh, well, we'll see now. But uh, yeah. no, first, how do you pronounce your surname, Matt? So it's
1: Terchinski. Terczynski. Not the easiest name in the world. <laughs>
0: Terchinski. It's it's okay. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot easier than I thought. So, uh, for for those that don't know, uh, you are well. There's more to this. You are the hidden for as far as I know, of Hubi Hercat. Yep. Uh, you work Correct. alongside Craig Boynton, his coach, who we had on the podcast yes. a few episodes ago. But now your role has slightly changed, has it?
1: Yeah. Basically, when I started with Hubi, it was three years ago. Like, uh, I was still, I mean, I was still trying to play, uh, but I didn't really have funding anymore. So I was struggling a bit. And then one uh, before the preseason, uh, Hubi called me up and said, like, if I wanna, if I wanna go to the preseason with him and Craig to uh, Saddlebrook to Tampa, I was like, yeah, why not? Like, I think it's gonna be a great experience. I got super excited, and basically after that preseason, we went to Delray Beach because that happened in January because of COVID. And he won the tournament. So, I mean, that was a pretty good start <laughs> together. So, so yeah, for the first two years, I was basically Hubi's hitting partner. And we are really good friends since we know each other since we are about seven, eight years old, because Hubi is just a year younger than me. And we played the same tournaments. We competed against each other. So, uh, so we know we are really good friends. So, obviously, that was one big thing that also connected us, I mean, with me working with him now because obviously you want to be around people that you feel good with, that you trust, and uh, I think that was one of the reasons also why I jumped on the board. And I was also I'm really fortunate also to meet Craig because Craig has been really uh, guiding me, like he he he's really my mentor. So uh, I'm obviously trying to find out a lot from him, but he also really wants me to learn, so he like invites me to his hotel room whatever and he like wants to talk tennis with me and uh, i'm doing my notes and stuff so i'm pretty pretty lucky to 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 be around him and uh, and yeah basically Hubi has a really nice team it's, it's like a family also the fitness coach przemek he uh, he has been with caroline wozniaki for five years before Hubi. So i mean I'm in a really good spot with uh, really nice people who who like treat me good and want what they want the best for me. I want the best for them, so we have a really good relationship with everyone so.
0: It sounds like Craig is Craig is trying to train you up so he can take a few weeks off and you
1: can you can <laughs> so, travel the road. I think that's what's happening there. I think there is some business behind it, you know. Yeah. He has some interest about it. <laughs>
0: so how so, has your role changed? Let's say you're just hitting partner only to being more like an assistant coach role. How how does that change the dynamics of the relationship?
1: Well, obviously, you know, when I jumped on the board, I obviously uh, all, all my only experience was as a player, and uh, and Craig, he's been on the tour for twenty five years, so I never tried to go in his lane or anything like that. So first two years basically was me traveling with Hobi, uh, hitting with him, and practicing. Also like you know doing stuff outside the court. But after two years of uh, working with him, also with, he- with Craig, uh, teaching me a lot, and uh, me just getting the experience, uh, like from this year, I'm traveling as his second coach or assistant coach, so we are able to exchange more weeks with Craig. Because as you know, like it's really difficult to do it, this job like on your own for 11 months in a row, you travel, it's really intense. And you just like also Craig needs to see his family for a few weeks so he can do his job even better when he is with Hubi. So, so I think it was all about me getting the experience, also getting the trust from Hubi because it's different, you know, we are good friends, but also to trust me as a, like, I can, I can guide him, tell him some stuff, you know? So, so I think it was all about the time experience and him trusting me more. So, so yes, I think, I think that's, that, that, that was the main reason why it's going this way right now. So obviously it's more demanding for me because it's not like I'm going just for practice and then I'm, I'm cool you know, it's so, yeah. What's
0: the role of let's say just a hitting partner so when you were just at that role like one from yeah what's your role and two then do you get to work on your fitness and or do you do that with you how does how do you take care of yourself like you're probably still trying to improve
1: a little bit are you Yeah actually what what's been great about this I mean job is that I'm every time we are together we are doing the fitness sessions always together so I I never skip and the fitness that he has so so i'm doing fitness with him obviously tennis wise we were hitting a lot but he cannot hit just with me for an entire week so usually he gets other players and uh, and yeah and when i have time off like let's say now i have four weeks off i still try to play some tournaments i'm hitting because i'm still young i love playing tennis it's my passion so um so i basically stay fit all the time and we also when we do preseason. Uh, every year we go for 10 days to the Polish mountains for the preseason without tennis rackets. And uh, I'm part of that. I'm doing every practice. So we have three fitness sessions a day and I participate in all of those. So, so yeah, <laughs> so I'm trying to be fit. Yeah, that,
0: that, that's, that sounds tough. And yeah. so for our listeners who don't know, like why would somebody like you and other players travel with a hitting partner?
1: Um, I think it's not uh it's not so much about like I don't know, I can hit the ball well of course, but it's more about you know, you travel with your coach and you are for eleven months on the road. It's sometimes pretty lonely. So I think for for Hubi and I think yeah. that's the same case with Francis Tiafoe. He yeah. ha he's there with Jordi uh, Arconada and it's all about like to have a have a friend to talk with you know and uh, to hit some balls to laugh you know it's it's, it's more about that than really because on the wta tour it's pretty common that the guys have uh, the girls have hitting partners where on the guys tour it's not that common but at least i don't see it so much but i think for Hoop it has worked really well because there is always like I don't know, he's four weeks with Craig, then I come up, there's some fresh blood, you know, and uh, there's always uh, something new coming up, but where you are, when you are spending 11 months in a row with the same person, it's sometimes, you know, it's uh, it's not difficult, but you just get used to uh, everything and uh, sometimes you can get annoyed with someone just because of time, you know how it is, like, you know, so... Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's if your coach, your parent, your kid, or or your wife. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, your girlfriend. Yeah, girlfriend. Yeah. So and also like we do stuff outside of the court. So I don't know. We go play golf together. We go karting. So, so I think it's more about that to keeping that balance because as a tennis player, especially on that level, that hobbies you have so much pressure so many things going on you know and you want to kind of you know find that balance of be, being able to relax you know at this between the tournaments uh, or even between the practices because i mean you can go crazy if you just keep you're gonna be focused all the time on uh, on your job so so yeah
0: does he let you drive the mclaren
1: he did. Like, I don't know if we, if we should if we should say that on Eric, because I think uh, with the insurance, it covers just him. <laughs> but yeah, he did, he did. Oh, we, nice. I, dro- I drove it, I drove it, but yeah, yeah. yeah it's was pretty nice. fun. And yeah. just
0: a bit more on Yubi, as a kid, you said you were a year older than him. What was, what was it like playing him when he was younger? Like, was there something special about him or were you beating him up until a certain age? And-
1: I mean, uh, he was actually uh, we didn't compete in the same category because he was a year younger. I mean, sometimes we did, but he was always number two in the country for like under 12, 14, 16. And he had this other opponent, Dembek, Mihal Dembek. He's a good player as well. And he has lost like 20 matches. He never beat him until that moment. And then it shifted from like. Uh, under 18s he started beating him and when we played each other with hobby at some tournaments uh, I mean he was One thing never changed with him. He always had like the laser focus about tennis and that was the only thing that Kind of always mattered to him and and I think that's why he got so far and he's still improving because like the only thing he thinks about really is about getting better. You know, we have to—we actually have to sometimes stop him because he wants to practice, you know, uh, too much. You know, because uh, I mean, even last week we were in Los Angeles, he was practicing, and he did a perfect practice, three hours. It was perfect, and we we're like, okay, we're done, be, Let's let's go. And he's like, no. Uh, and we stayed for another forty-five minutes. You know, so sometimes it's difficult to talk him out of it because he's really obsessed with, uh, you know, getting better. You know, and I think that's also why he, he is where he is right now. So
0: and so if you look at your let's say your junior career or yeah. your 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 tennis career and his tennis career yeah what when you look at it you you speak to him all the time what are the differences is it that laser focus or what else made him reach the top in the world and you didn't let's say I'm just curious I think it's a really curious thing to know
1: I think, you know, tennis is a big puzzle where a lot of things have to um, have to click. So for me, let's say I was I mean, I went to 120 in the world. I played a couple of slams in juniors Um, and after I was kind of, you know, traveling alone for three, four years and uh, I wasn't actually getting I wasn't improving as much as I would like to because I was on my own um hobby i was also working really hard Hubi was working really hard he he was actually he was fortunate enough to be able to travel with a coach and also maybe because he was really you know laser focused and in the crunch time he was really good so he kept improving improving like his career was like a snowball effect where for me i mean i was going really good at, until some point then And then I kind of hit the wall because like my parents couldn't um, really finance my tennis anymore. I tried to do it on my own, but like that wasn't enough. So that's kind of how my career turned also to traveling with Hubi and getting that other experience, like as a coach, assistant coach. Um, Obviously, I would love to still play as a professional player, but I would like to do it properly, not to reach, I don't know, 500 in the world, but to play big grand slams. And I know what it takes. And right now i don't know i don't have the resources to do it really so 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 i still continue to play tournaments but it's just you know we can call it a hobby now because i do it in my free time because i love it so still i'm ranked uh, actually whenever i go with Hobby, i sign to to the atp tournaments yeah. when i'm with him and actually i played atp in stuttgart last year i got in so that was pretty nice you know like a nice like a cherry on, on a cake for me because that's what I always dreamt of, you know, to be at the big tournaments and uh, actually I got to play one. So, so yeah, so that was pretty nice, you know. That, that's um, nice.
0: Yeah. And I saw that I was going to, I only commented on your picture, your Instagram account yeah. there. It was in Stuttgart, yeah. I think, where Hubi yeah. was playing with the Sabre. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a video, there's a point where you're out wide. I think you must have played down the line. Uh, He's wrong. I'm, I'm reaching a slice. Yeah, so yeah. Who yeah, won? Yeah. I want to know who
1: won that point. Let's uh, let's keep it. I don't want to public it, publish uh, it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh. actually, actually, he, like it was pretty uh not embarrassing, but he actually was playing pretty well with the saber, so he won like a few points in a tiebreaker. So I was like, wow, you know, yeah, so because you know, it's it's not easy. So so yeah.
0: Craig did say he had to tell him to stop
1: using it at one stage. Yeah, because like every time, uh, I think at some point, Craig had to put it in his bag and Hubby could use it whenever Craig let him do it because uh, if he had it in his own bag, he would just keep using it all the time. That's so, crazy. Yeah. I'm,
0: I'm still waiting on a player to show up at an ATP Tour event with <laughs> one. It's it's going to happen one day. It's going to happen one day. Yeah, uh, maybe first point, you know, with the yeah, Yeah, but so... Uh, what I was thinking there was, yeah, so you talk about you're four weeks off, you're still yeah. going to compete, so you may, you must really want to, you still have that burning desire to win matches. Yeah, I mean, that's
1: something, Uh, I don't know, what can you call it? Like, obviously, I'm not fully fired as a player, because I. I mean, I've played slams in juniors and obviously I would like to still continue as a professional, but I do it I do it with what I have right now. So when I have four weeks off, I mean, I played some futures right now. I won a couple of ATP points and I mean, my level is good. I'm like, like I said, I'm doing it out of passion because let's say I'm not really earning money from that. I'm investing, but because I love playing, I just want to keep doing it. And uh, yeah, right, right, right now, uh, I'm in Florida where my girlfriend is at the university. So I come here also because winter in Europe is tough to play tournaments. So I can play here, you know, travel uh, to some tournaments. So, so yeah, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty passionate about it. So, yeah. so yeah. Well, if you
0: were to give yourself, a, if if I was to throw you in the rankings now, saying where would you place yourself on your current level? Where where do you think you'd fit in?
1: Well, I would say. Um, <sighs> I think really to judge my level it would be I would have to play a full year of tournaments and then I could say exactly where but I would just say my tennis could be right now about 500 ATP. but that's me judging my tennis you know because when you when you let's say when I'm on the road with hubby for a month let's say we practice a lot we do fitness but I'm don't really play points I'm not in the competition then whenever I come back to competition it usually takes a week or two until you start making the right decisions on the court uh, it's not about if I'm fit or not. It's about, you know, if you win yeah. the match 6-4 in the third or lose the match 4-6 in the third, you know, so, so yeah.
0: Yeah, so maybe tell us how important is it then that you're not just practicing every day, that you're out there playing matches, especially with a lot of parent listeners with who have j- their kids play, so junior listeners also. Yeah. And, yeah, the importance of getting out there and competing. It's not all about putting in errors in the practice court.
1: Now the, the the main thing is what I realized also throughout my career and also now since I travel with hobby and I'm not consistently competing is that the biggest difference in tennis is that you have to be under stress situations. Usually it's difficult to uh, re, uh, remake a stress situation in practice. You can, you can play a practice set, but it's always different kind of stress when you play on court so for example if you're gonna go play a tournament you're gonna lose first round and then you wait for another week like you're not practicing those stress situations for another week so you you, you come up for the next one and you are still kind of shaky you know oh it's a 6-0 six or six or in the third and okay i, I make a double fault. so when if you are able to let's say compete i don't know every week with a lot of matches Naturally, you're going to get better with dealing with stress situations because uh, like like what people say is everyone is good in practice, but it's all about making those crunch decisions, you know, where you have breakpoint on set points, you know, to be relaxed, maybe not relaxed, but learning to deal uh, with your stress, you know, but to deal with your stress, you need to practice it. If you don't practice yeah. it, then you like you're going to practice for a month, come out and it's difficult to to make the right decision at the right time, you know? So I think,
0: yeah, yeah, it feels like there's processes you learn the more you play matches. And then once you stop playing, you forget those processes. And it takes X amount of matches before you're thinking, I'm sure some players can pick it up quicker. Exactly. But uh, it's, it's really, it's really important, especially junior players are out there playing as many matches as they can. And obviously the more you're winning, the better you're getting at it. It's a bit of a, you know the strong gets stronger
1: definitely like i like say four five weeks ago i played four tournaments in a row and the first one was a disaster but not because i'm not practicing or i'm not fit but a short ball is coming and I'm like it's not natural for me you you want to have this thing automatic in your body so mm-hmm. the more matches you will play you 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 get used to it it's natural and that's how you you know you become better 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 you know so
0: and yeah. th- when you're in the practice court with Yubi, and let's say he's playing, I don't know, he's playing Alcraz one day, Sinner next day, <laughs> and uh, Diminuar another day, just different player styles, let's say. Yeah. D- do you as a practice uh, hitting partner have to be able to recreate those sort of styles, give them certain balls? So you basically have to be able to hit all the shots, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yes, yes. that That's uh, exactly what we are doing a lot of times, because um, let's say if, if me and Craig are there on the same week, so let's say I'm going to warm up Hubi before a match with, I don't know, Pass or whoever. I'm trying to play the same patterns like uh, the player that he's going to play uh, is going to do. So uh, let's say, for example, I'm slicing more, you know, or I'm playing more forehands inside out. So he gets the feeling of uh, how the match is going to go when, when he steps on the court already. So uh, So we practice the patterns that might happen in the match. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm able to imitate the player, but I'm trying to imitate yeah. their play, you know, so, so yeah.
0: So yeah. it's an important, if you want to be a hitting partner, it's an important skill that you can play all shots, really, because... Yeah. ...and
1: not miss balls. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean you, it's, it's, also, it's, it's difficult to find this balance, because if you will try not to miss... Then uh, you're gonna start missing because your hand is going to be slow and you're gonna get uh, anxious, you know. So, but with Hubi, it's fine. Like, Hubi is relaxed, you know, he's my friend. So, he doesn't, I don't know, he doesn't get mad when I miss or something like that. Where I think. I've seen on some teams on the tour, sometimes, like some players get get mad when, I don't know, the ball goes wide or something like that. So it must be tough if you're, uh, you know,
0: a stand in hitting partner. So the way the tournaments have hitting partners right. when yeah. you're in, and all of a
1: sudden, you know, it's tense moments I mean, where you're. I mean, even myself, because first year, first two years when I was traveling with Hubi, I was also hitting with other players. Like I I hit with Fabio Fonini, like with with a lot of players. And obviously I was stressed because I don't know them. They don't know me. Like, and I don't want to, you know, screw up. (laughs) So, so like, it was a bit stressful. Also nice, I think in Turin for the Masters, we were hitting together and there is like 400 people watching you know And so i want to do everything right you know so you get those stressful moments but after such a long time right now i'm used to it you know it's it's not bothering me right now so
0: and they the, they talk about turin the players that's the the nicest tournament because you know there's only the eight players and maybe alternate and then yeah. there's a small team so right. it's really cozy you get looked after is is that
1: the best tournament for you uh i think this is the best tournament i have been to maybe um i mean last week we've last last week we were in at labor cup which was really nice so that was a my first time and uh it's just different you know it's but this is a team event and uh but it's amazing like we met bjorn borg thomas enquist all the players you know the hospital hospitality is amazing but I think Torino is also a little bit more special because you have to work your whole year to get there. You're top eight. And yeah, like I remember the first time we arrived there and we get our private security guard, you know, and they say like, he's going to be with you for the whole week. And this is Ivan, like which which he ended up to be a really nice guy, Italian guy. And uh, and yeah, he was going with us everywhere. And we're like, okay, that doesn't happen at ATP 250. (laughs) So like, it's... We also try to say who we like to treat this tournament as uh, same as the others. But at the same point, it's difficult it's because like, you get all these like, special treatments, you know, like so. So, yeah, yeah. but uh, Torino is amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'd say that balance is hard where you are at these, the bigger tournaments and you're trying to treat them the exact same and, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're getting these special treatment or exactly. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. uh, so uh, ATP for uh, So the ATP finals for you is your number one.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And your favorite slam? Favorite slam is because um, I always loved that tournament It's Wimbledon because of history. And uh, it's not I'm not saying it's because maybe I don't it's not better organized or something, but it's something like sometimes you think with your mind, sometimes you think with your heart and Wimbledon is with my heart. So uh, that's where I also I lived in England for seven years, so. I, when I was young, I remember I used to go in the queue uh, at 4 a.m. to wait for the tickets, you know, oh, so wow. it's just like really special for me. And I was like, competed there as a junior. So yeah, it's it's really, really special.
0: Yeah. Did you, move, were you with your family in the UK or did you tr- train there? What was the reason?
1: So when I was 12 years old, um, me and my, my dad, we moved to London because I remember I was like uh, crying because like I want to get better when I wanna go to academy like I, I'm, I was crazy about tennis and actually my brother was studying in London so we just my dad was like okay let's go and uh, he actually quit he quit his job he went with me and uh, I was able to start my journey there when I was 12 which was actually really good for me because I met lot of people like uh, that are uh, important in tennis because um, I remember I got to know Pat Cash because his son was um, uh, practicing in the academy so we we used to go together to practice at Wimbledon court so you know so like all those things would never happen to me if we stayed in Poland so that was a big sacrifice from my parents and my father because uh, like my mom stayed in Poland you know my dad went with me and And actually, he had to find some job that he never worked at. You know, in the beginning, it was difficult. I think he first few months he had to go to KFC because he couldn't like find job in in his uh, major. Uh, But after everything obviously worked out. So my father made a big sacrifice there and uh, for my tennis. And we we are actually like benefited a lot from that. And there were no easy moments, but he ended up having his own tennis academy in uh, London. So. So it worked worked out pretty good, but uh, it was yeah, it was a really good story. So yeah,
0: is the tennis academy still going or
1: my? So my no. father he was there for over ten years. Me, let's say when I went to London after I moved places, like I, I had a coach in Belgium, then I had a coach in Germany. but My father was still there. So actually, two years ago he came back to Poland because. You know, like my parents were. My mom was in Poland. My dad was in uh, England. I think at some point I was in Belgium, and my brother was in Denmark. So every we were spread out in the whole world. <laughs> so my dad came back home now, and uh, he's home with my mom, and uh, he's actually yeah he he built he built a tennis court in our garden himself. So he's doing some uh, something you know, t- tennis lessons, coaching a bit. He's He's, if I'm saying I'm crazy about tennis, he's, he's more crazy about tennis than me. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah. And,
0: yeah. and tell me, so you're in the you watch. you're obviously in the box for Ubi's matches. Yeah. Which one, since you've been working with him, has been the,
1: the most tense for you? The most tense? Um, definitely, I think, uh, I think when we were in Halle. Uh, two years ago, it was really special. He played some amazing tennis and let I'll tell you two categories. Like when he played really good tennis and it was so impressive it was in Halle two years ago uh, actually one year ago when he won it. Uh, he beat Daniel Medvedev like one and three I think in the final on grass, which was like amazing. But for tension, I think it was when he played the Yannick Sinner at NITO ATP finals. I've never... Uh, heard such a loud stadium like uh, like like I think it was so overwhelming like for everyone that uh, it was like a football match you know and it was indoors in Torino with all the Italian fans you know so that was that was really tense like I don't think like the match was tense itself but probably as you can see with Hubi's matches like recently he plays 7-6 Seven six in the third, like most of his matches. So, <laughs> so like we, I'm getting a lot of grey hairs, you know, and and Craig he's as well. Winning. So, yeah. he's
0: winning a lot of those 3 setters, though. Yeah, he he's...
1: is. He, he, but it's it's not easy for us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember hearing a the stat. There's some crazy stat. The amount of 3 setters he's yeah. played, and he's just
1: yeah, good for fitness. <laughs> I mean, like it's and also one of the reasons he's able to win those matches because of his fitness uh, preparation and. Uh, and he's able to do it. But actually, me, Craig and Przemek, we wish that, <laughs> we hope that he was going to win some more matches in straight sets because it will be easier on his body and easier for our minds. Yeah, and you can get to bed earlier as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I think that's why, that's why I'm traveling more now with Hubi because Craig is meant. It's yeah. a big mental burden for CB because, you know, all those matches are so nervous, you know. So. And, and tell me, so what is one thing you've learned from UB that people should know and also Craig as well. So one first thing that comes to mind for me for Hubi is the discipline because he never puts a tennis second. So let's say when someone will ask him, I don't know, for an interview or he needs to get food or something, first he has to do the stretching treatment. Like, you, I, I've never met a guy like him before who is just so committed to his sport and he's so laser focused and uh, I think that's why he has success. I think sometimes it's uh, something might might be hurting him because he's actually doing too much, I think. But I think that's one of the secrets why he's so great. So so that's one thing I learned from Hubi and uh, from Craig. Actually, I've learned so many things, but one thing that comes to mind is that he told me like, he realized about, I don't know, 10 years ago, uh, that it's not when you're a coach, it's all about you adapting to the player. You cannot, you cannot, uh, I don't know, put your own rules, you know, and say, do this, do that or that, because it might work for one guy, but for other guy who is maybe more sensitive or he needs more, you know, understanding, attention, uh, you have to be like, you know, nicer, ask questions, you know, so, so I've learned a lot actually with him about coaching because he's he he does a really good job with Hubi and he also coached i don't know some 25 players on the tour starting gym from jim courier and all the best american players and uh he's really like a you know like a good like good uncle or you know like a really good friend for me so uh so he actually i spent hours with him and he was just like t- telling me all his stories from his from his experience and and, like, I'm super grateful that I'm lucky to, I'm, 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 I'm able to be with him, you know, because uh, he really wants me to learn and he, he always, uh, yeah, I mean, also appreciates my work. So, so I'm, I'm really happy about it. Yeah.
0: And do you have a bourbon with him?
1: Bourbon? I mean, he, he usually tries, yeah, but I'm not, a, I'm not a big bourbon guy. I think on some moments, I don't know, I've been to his house, he has a big bourbon bar. It has maybe 100 bottles. So wow. sometimes when I come I try out of curiosity, but it it tastes tastes like gasoline for me, so <laughs> it's too much for me now. So
0: I'm yeah. the same. And so if you were to give, as I was saying earlier, a lot of our listeners are parents, right. Uh, what advice would you give parents of? players who you know they they plan to be they want to be they love tennis they want to be yeah. great tennis players right what, what advice would you have from the parents from what you've learned
1: i think uh, one advice is that obviously when you see that your daughter or your son wants to really do it is to also trust them you know and let them enjoy as much as they can because uh, i see a lot of cases where uh, parents travel with the kids, you know, they put pressure you have to win, you have to get that ranking, you know, and, uh, and that all of that doesn't really matter when you're at 12, 14, 16, it's all about developing yourself, developing yourself. So I would focus if I was a parent and I hope, I hope one day I will be is that, uh, I want my kid to, you know, to enjoy tennis as much as he can, uh, to keep improving. You know, it's all about the process. If you're gonna, improve every day by one percent you're gonna you you you, the result will take care of itself but if you will focus on the results when you are 12 14 like it's easy to get burned out so for me also on based on my experience i would just uh, let the let the kid enjoy you know not worry about all the other obviously it's not easy for parents especially uh, I don't know in in the more poorer countries where let's say you have to sacrifice your whole um, family money for the player, you know. So it's it's kind of easy to get emotional sometimes, but you have to find that balance of for the kid to to like just strictly focus on tennis, enjoy the process, you know. And if it will work out, then great. If not, then it's also great because you are doing something that you love, and with tennis. Give, tennis gives you such a good life experience like you are able to deal with so many things in life later than a normal person because consist, consistently consistently like every week you have to change uh, country surface food you have to adapt every week so you get you learn those skills that really help you in life later but if like say for a normal person that I don't know that is not exposed to that. And something bad happens, they panic, you know? Whereas a tennis player, you 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 it's hitting you every every week, you know, like you have to yeah. do this, this change hotel, you know, like oh I don't have money for a hotel, or I have to change the plane, change the surface, balls, you know. So so uh so my advice is just to, you know, let let them enjoy. Obviously, they have to work hard, they have to want it. And the important thing is that the parent cannot want it more than the kids. So so yeah. agreed,
0: agreed. <laughs> I Agree, agree. And tell me what happened to, what happened to that player the player who was number one in Hubie's age group, 12s, 14s, 16s, whatever happened to him?
1: So, Michael uh, Michael uh, Dembeck, yeah, he uh, he actually retired last year. Uh, he got to, I think, about five 500 in the world or 400. I don't want to uh, be wrong, but I think it's something about that. And yeah, I mean, it just, it kind of, if you compare those two players, I mean, for Hubie, uh, it, he started, I don't know, making bigger jumps when he started to be 18, you know, and all that. And for Michael, and he's a great player, great worker, also. Like it, it like it just didn't work out that, that way for him. And obviously, there are some reasons behind it. And I don't know, uh, like I'm not inside, so I don't want to also yeah. judge. So I don't know. But obviously, you know, you know how it is in tennis. Like not, it's like little than one percent make it to the top hundred. So. So, yeah, it's just, it's
0: it's just good just because you're not number one in your age group doesn't mean you're not going to make it. And just because you're number one doesn't mean you're going to make it. So that's sort of the message I'm trying to get across.
1: That doesn't matter at all, because I remember Hubi, I think was top 40 on ITF juniors and he's now, he, he already made top 10 in ATP where you have guys who were number one in juniors and they never made it to top 100. Yeah. Even based on my own experience, I remember under 12, 14s, I wasn't even top hundred player in, in my country, and then I sort of started, you know, developing, and uh, I won Polish championships. Under 18s, I was 120 in the world in juniors. So the first years they don't matter as long as you work hard and you keep developing. Because for me it was also difficult because I switched to one single-handed backhand when I was 12. So you can imagine all the kids were hitting high balls. I was like weak, you know, and I was losing all the matches. So I wouldn't put pressure on kids at that age. Obviously, if they want to do it, then do it properly. Like, don't do it like, uh, you know, for uh, one day I want to, second day I don't. But if you want to do it, then uh, do it properly. Yeah, that's other advice. Yeah.
0: So Matt, you're 27 now. Where do you see yourself
1: in 10 years time? So, first, so I would be 37 I think you know because what I'm doing right now since 3 years also like I would like to be uh, on the tour as a coach as a main coach of someone uh, at the age of 37 probably I would like to have some kids at that point probably mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see about that but I think what the situation right now really helps me build a future for me uh for what I love doing which is tennis and uh I would like to be on the tour and I always the only thing I ever dreamt of is tennis. So what I'm doing right now is I'm just like building my future and uh I, when I will be 37 probably I will not be able to play as good tennis as I am right now so probably I would have to kind of focus on one thing which will be coaching. So I would love to coach uh, coach coach some good players and uh, hopefully achieve something special, you know. That's great. Best of luck. Uh, I'm sure I'll see you around, but thank you very much, Matt. Really interesting. Thank you, Fabio. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to say you're doing a great job with, uh, with, your, uh, well, I mean, with your channel and uh, on Instagram, and I, I always love listening to the podcasts that you do. They are really interesting. So it was uh, a huge privilege for me to be part of it. So just thank you.
0: Yeah, send me more videos. We have posted a few of your videos <laughs> over the years, so uh, keep sending them
1: through. I would, I would, I would. Thank you so much, Fabio.
0: <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that episode with Matt. It's been a while since we had a pro hitting partner on the podcast. I think the last one was Carousel, who worked with Naomi Osaka. And he at the minute is running a YouTube account. And I think he's even making a stab at the pro tour himself. You can check out that in our previous episodes. We did actually a couple with him. Okay, until the next time. Goodbye.